welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we review dead role-playing games 1d6 damage at a time. Except sometimes, the RPG we thought was dead waits, and then miraculously rises again from the grave, perhaps to prove a point of some kind. We're reviewing Dragon Raid, the born-again RPG of born-again heroes, and we are definitely, definitely, definitely going to get in trouble today. It's System Mastery. Hey, John. What is it, Jeff? Hey, John, did you know that there is a button on our website you can press? I knew there were many buttons on our website, <laughs> yes. Well, there's a very special button on our website. Oh, I've got a very special button. On your website. <laughs> and you can press it. Ooh, finally, consensualness. Ooh, push for free cheese. <laughs> yeah, one of your nipples is for free cheese, and the other one is weirdly for free chili. Yep. But neither one is healthy. <laughs> <laughs> Please continue. For fifty dollars, if you well, if you go on our website and click on the "Give Us Some Money" button, there is a fifty dollar option called the the Announcement Mastery, whereby we will re- read for you an announcement that you have written on our show. It can be an ad, it can be a personal message, as long as the content matches our requirements, which are nebulous and unspecified. Uh, we will read it for you. Indeed, pretty simple. We haven't turned one down yet. No, nope, because you know people who trying to do that are people that listen to us and basically all of our listeners are nice yeah we got good awesome listeners every one of you is good and awesome and should give me fifty dollars uh, <laughs> every one of you <laughs> uh even in this time of stress i require several hundreds of fifty dollars <laughs> <laughs> uh what was i gonna say but we have one today john we have a message from a listener and i think we're just going to take turns reading that before we get on to the main show itself Yes, indeed. This Mostly because uh, we forgot to record it during the show, and now the show is an hour and a half long, and it wouldn't be nice to put it at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this one uh, comes from Eli. Mm-hmm. Uh, gave us the money for this to read. I came to System Mastery through the Flop House podcast since you guys bought a Jumbotron for that show. Oh, don't get me started. Uh, he didn't. Th- their Jumbotron is like, please give us some notes and we'll craft a fun ad for you. And instead, they just read my notes. Wows. <laughs> it's you, Stuart Wellington. I'm coming for you. <laughs> Since then, the cozy little family of podcasts, System and Movie Mastery and Expounded Universe have made up a majority of my at work entertainment. The Discord server has been nice to hang around in, even if I don't post all that much. And it's been helping me through a pretty rough time in my life. Uh, it's been inspiring me to work on an RPG of my own. Uh, in fact, in, uh, I'll admit that as a delivery driver, I get in and out of the car quite a lot, so I miss parts of the show. Hey, as a delivery driver, thank you for existing, by the way, Oh my God, this. right now, yes. Oh, jeez. Uh, deli- Thankfully, in California at this point, we've hit a point where the delivery drivers can just leave shit on your doorstep. Yeah. And it's the best. Um, I get in and out of the car quite a lot, so I miss parts of the show. However, I've picked up enough do's and don'ts from what I've heard. For instance, to let my creativity flow, uh, I come up with new names for every single stat, which <laughs> that's totally fair because we will make fun of you if, you're sta- if your game has you the, do that. the six D&D stats in it again. We do make fun of people for that. Uh, always include rules for seduction, especially through the use of spells, as this allows creative problem-solving options that other dumb RPGs don't offer. Yeah. Wait, hang on. Am I being ribbed here? Yes. I feel like I might be being ribbed. You, may, you might okay. be ribbed for my pleasure. Mm, for John's pleasure. Yeah. John likes ribs. I like it when Jeff gets ribbed. I like it when I get ribs. I mean, they're <laughs> delicious. And they're not available under quarantine. 
Uh, let's see. Where was I? Lots of, Lots of fun, fun apostrophes. apostrophes. Lots of fun apostrophes and names for extra flavor. Start characters out weak so they can experience the feeling of achievement that comes with leveling up. Whether their sixth or seventh character finally, or sorry, when their sixth or seventh character finally survives to uh, reach the second level. Include lots of fun and creative options for character, race, and species, but acknowledge that the fun ones are simply too advanced for a mere player to understand. After all, players are dumb and they can't be trusted to handle anything. This goes double for the events of the story of some silly, silly player messed with the awesome kick-ass world I have in my head. Then that'd make me personally sad. Most importantly, make sure the GM is a hanging judge. We can't have players taking too, or uh, enjoying too much freedom, because who knows what they're going to do with it. Yeah, now I might have missed some things, but I'm still glad to have gotten so much good advice from just listening to a podcast. Well, everyone waits with bated breath for Chi-Alk the Thunder Pendulum to be released. I got a thunder pendulum for you. <laughs> I hope Jeff and John keep doing what they're doing and raking in that sweet podcast money. Shoutouts to Jesusor, both my GM and player in separate games of Lancer, and the rest of my players Nova, Double D2, and Cynical Duelist, who is a very longtime friend. You guys and the rest of my crew are awesome, even though none of you listen to this podcast. I'll play this part of the episode in the pre-roll to one of our games so that you have to listen to this. Maybe you'll enjoy it more than A Dragon Walks Into a Bar by Jeff Aldrich and John Taylor, available on Amazon wherever fine books are sold. I mean, at the moment, it's still available on Amazon. I've heard they're planning to move it to some sort of consignment website. <laughs> I, I heard they're moving our book into quarantine. Not because of coronavirus. It's just bad. <laughs> I actually got a chance to talk to our publisher a couple of days ago, and she, and she was like, you guys are proven sellers now. That book is doing very well. And I was like, you are lying to me. <laughs> there is no way that is true. <laughs> Get out. I cast you out. <laughs> Deceiver. So uh, thank you so much for the kind words. And once again, if you want to have us read your message on the air, all you have to do is give us 50 of your bucks. And you can do that on our website, systemmasterypodcast.com. There is a button called Give Us Some Money. And now, on with the show. Welcome back to System Mastery. It's me, your host, Jeff, joined as always here in the bunker, just the two of us against the world. You know, and also I have a family. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just just huddling in fear and terror. It's John. Yay, I'm huddling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. we're in California, and we have decided to keep making the show anyway, because we love you. That's right. We love you so goddamn oh, much. Oh, you have no idea. Don't even try and tempt it. We will be in your yard in a second cutting open a rabbit or something. I know. Just going crazy. <laughs> I know. Some of you may not believe it, but mm -hmm. we have crushes on every single one of you. <laughs> in fact, we'll start a GoFundMe and announce our crushes. <laughs> uh, this is our second time trying to discuss... Uh, Dragon Raid, which is the game that we're discussing today, uh, it didn't save correctly. I'm still not sure how. Very, very likely it's my fault. <laughs> I, I'll be very honest. It's it's almost definitely just user error, although I don't remember doing it. Yeah. But I somehow I deleted... Well, the, I mean, if you remember doing it, you wouldn't have called me at the last second and been like, hey, shit's fucked. That That is true. It, it, that's why this episode's probably going to be a day late. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is that we have we have no choice but to try again because lord knows i'm not going to read all seven of these books and then not report on them that's right the lord does know oh, that's right he knows many things <laughs> you mean the overlord of many names or the creator or the what the what redeemer the, the, rede or the maker the maker yeah so why don't we get into it you know why don't we determine whether or not this game will meet ball john let's get into that <laughs> 
All right, let's let's talk about that. Oh, is that what it is? Is let's talk about that? Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm I'm not that good at trying to be like my favorite YouTubes. My favorite tubs. Mm-hmm. Hey everybody, it's me eating with Babish. <laughs> <laughs> Today on Eating with Babish, we're gonna eat this regular style pizza, almost the kind of style we like. Yay! <laughs> one time I saw a pizza on a TV show. I'm eating one. <laughs> a TV show that is. Here I go. <laughs> Hey, V Gravy, Michael here. <laughs> Am I doing it right? Is this right? Is this, is is this, this a joke? Is this what people want? They want more YouTubes. I mean, those people are way more famous than us, so <laughs> I have a crush on every one of them. I have a crush on every boy. <laughs> so, all right, seriously, though, for reals, Dragon Raid is a game that we thought was going to be super fancy and interesting because we, I mean, there's it's not hiding what it is on the cover, but it is... The, the the title, the full title of the game is Dragon Raid, a role-playing game for courageous Christians. Yeah. Now, when this was brought to our attention, I mean, I was immediately like, well, f- fuck yes, I have to see this, because there's no way I don't want to know what's in this box. Yeah, and and we might as well tell the story of how this, this came into existence. We have a, a fun thing where people know us for what we do nowadays, uh, and so whenever anyone posts something about a weird role-playing game on Twitter... Someone lets us know. Like, we don't have to go look for it. Someone shows up and... Tw- I bet System Mastery needs this. Hey, guys. Um, you see this? Yeah. You hear about this? So a dude was tweeting uh, that he had received this as a gift from his uncle or something. I, I forget the exact details. And that it was a treasure because it looks insane. I mean, it's a role-playing game designed by Christians for Christians. And in 1984, at the you know the titular height of the horrified satanic panic incident... Oh, yes. Which means that this is was almost definitely going to be a reaction to Satanic Panic, an attempt to reclaim the the role-playing game genre for good Christian soldiers. Yeah. Uh, People tweeted at us and told us to try and get it from the guy, Uh, and then the tweet became like an increasingly hilarious series of demands to have the game mailed to various other famous role-playing game-related internet people. Yeah, and it turns out... Uh, Completely unnecessary. Yeah, they still make this. Yeah, keep keep your weird... Treasure, my friend. You've you've earned it. It's a good thing to have. And we bought our own copy for 30 bucks because, as John says, this is still in production. I mean... More or less unchanged since 1984. Yeah, there's a a bunch of stuff in the box that you get. And it all seems... Like, well, not all. A lot of it seems to have been freshly made, but it is still the 1984 stuff in there. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of... But instead of putting out another edition, there's a lot of things that just got, like crossed out with a pen or <laughs> whited out and rewritten uh, it really i mean before we get into the meat and potatoes of what this game is we could start by talking about the uh the layout and the and the structure of what's inside this box the box is a treasure trove for 30 bucks you get like seven books a bunch of worksheets you get oh yeah i mean you get like four adventure modules yeah. as well as all of the materials you get dice and pens and and big reams of character sheets and a bookmark about fire safety. No, of course this is uh still 1984, so the dice are not filled in and you have to take a crayon to them to fill in the numbers. Yes, these dice there's uh two D10s and a D8. The D10s are translucent orange plastic and the D8 is solid opaque gray uh with no visible numbers on them unless you get a white crayon in there. Yep. Uh so I mean it's a fascinating box of junk, but as John was saying, Almost every book in it has some pages that are modified in some way because someone somewhere who's printing this these days has a checklist they have to go down to modify each one of the books 
from its original printing to its more current acceptable status. It's very strange to me that, like, you'd be able to get this, and then instead of whoever's making it be like, I'm going to have not even a new edition, I'll just go in and make these changes myself to the, like, master copy of this. And instead, they're like, no, we're just going to use stickers. We're just going to put a sticker down to change the text of this. I found it amusing that there's, like, three ways that people modify these books when they go through them. Like, some... There's some pages where there's like mail-in cards that you can send away for more parts that are they're no longer in production. Those just get a pen through them. There are some areas that have printed stickers overlaying existing text, and then there are some areas that are just whited out with like with actual liquid whiteout and then written over with pen. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and that's the way it comes out of the sealed box. Yes. Uh, the books are different from book to book as well. One of them is a worksheet uh, guide that's just three hole punched and is otherwise loose leaf paper. That one's designed to be put into a, a your own three-ring binder so that you may add additional books or paperwork as needed. Yeah. One is spiral-bound, and the others are just flimsy staple-bind. Yep. And uh, it's kind of amazing. Mm-hmm. It's just an interesting thing that exists. Uh, but, but what is it? Well, it's a role-playing game, presumably yeah. designed by someone who had heard of them and had whose only previous experience with role-playing games was hearing sermons against them <laughs> uh, and seeing the cover of one. I mean, there does seem to be some knowledge of there, yeah. some game like it's terms like- and ways to run a game because it's not like like they just didn't know what the hell they were doing at all. No, there's some weird little things that would suggest that they have some gaming experience, like notably that there's a hex grid for explanation and or for sorry for exploration and square grid for combat suggests that they've seen how people do grid mapping in, in the like early 80s for D&D and stuff like they had played chainmail at some point my assumption honestly is that there was before the satanic panic thing took off some christian guy uh, was dick playing wolf. Yeah, Dick Wolf. Um, we, that's doink, not a joke doink. name. I mean, that's I mean, doink doink and all. But the but the author of this book was or, or of this box set was named Dick Wolf. Yeah. So Dick Wolf, at some point, a good Christian soldier, was playing D anD D when the whole Satanic Panic took off, mm-hmm. and then went, you know, if they're not going to allow Christians to do this, I should make something for them. Yes. And yeah. on the surface, that's actually both really smart because. Now you can cater to a an entire group that would otherwise have not had anything to do with this game. Oh yeah, for sure. It's a genius move, like financially speaking. But also from the perspective of I want to have a game for something that I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are so many nowadays very niche RPGs. And for someone to go like back in eighty four, oh, I need to make an RPG for a very specific market. Yeah. Well, I mean, even in the early 80s, you could already tell that that there was not money to be lost by just slapping four Christians onto the ends of things. Well, yeah. You'd be like, oh, it's classic rock for Christians. They say knees a lot more in these songs than in most. (laughs) (laughs) The word save shows up more often, and uh, and therefore this is a whole different genre of soft rock, and we will sell billions. Yes. That's that seems to be a pretty common thing, but I wonder if this if this was that where it was like, oh, I have an idea, I'll make a, a role playing game designed to facilitate and teach Christianity to Christian kids that we can use in like Sunday schools and so on, and then like within two years of him having made it, 
it just got crushed by the satanic panic. Ah. And he was like, it's me. I'm the, I'm your local salesman of, of uh, you know, D&D-themed Christian role-playing games. And everyone was like, get out, tempter. Ah. No, I like I said, I assume it's the opposite. Yeah, okay. That he saw the satanic panic happening and was like, oh, I've got to make it for Christians. Uh, well, four he, of them. <laughs> got to make it for four Christians. Four forty four Christians. <laughs> How to cook four hundred and forty four Christians? <laughs> Thanks, Romans. I was very curious about that. Oh no, the fire does not touch me. Ha ha! <laughs> <it>. Bible references. <laughs> I mean, that's cool. We're poaching you. <laughs> Okay, so, I mean, we're Romans. We don't eat anything just fire-grilled. What are you, crazy? <laughs> we haven't invented barbecue yet. We're just going to eat the weird parts of you anyway. <laughs> we want them fatty parts for the for the Lord. <laughs> what's the weirdest goops you got? <laughs> hey, what's up in you that's all weird? Let me eat that. <laughs> Give me them nodes. So uh, why don't we talk about the basic marka or, or uh, design of the game? Uh, this is a hard one to tackle. There's a lot of different avenues of entry to describe what this game is and how it plays and so on well i mean i ba- i basically think we can either start with setting up the setting information or go into the full-on crunch of the game because we're gonna need to do both because both of them are great it, okay that's and fair. by that i mean not great but <laughs> fascinating great. <laughs> how about yeah <laughs> great for us <laughs> great for the show uh-huh uh, I know you're very invested in the setting because you've read it three times and it's been different <laughs> and it's been different three times. So why don't we start from the setting and you can tell us all about how you read a book and then a different book. Yeah. So when I first started reading this, I had three different books that I was going through because we split up since there's like 12 books in this uh, between ourselves. Yeah, it didn't hurt for period. us to just take turns reading whichever book we wanted. Now, most of the stuff I had was the player books. So I had the new player briefing the player's handbook and the light raider handbook Mm -hmm. now when you the first thing of course that i read was the new player brief because it's very small and i figured oh this will just give me a quick introduction of what they're trying to do here yeah that little fella is a spiral bound thing no oh i'm sorry i'm mixing it up with a different book (laughs) yeah that's the light raider handbook which is Ah. a large book okay i'm sorry the uh then yeah the the first one is just sort of an introduction for new li- new players. Yeah, the new player brief is a little red almost like a pamphlet thing because it's like eight pages. And it gives you the background of the world that you will be playing in and the way that they translate Christianity into a fantasy setting for this is that essentially God exists uh, you are on the planet Eden again. Yes, Eden again, uh, which I just want to take a brief pause from the story to mention the naming convention in the book. Oh, please, go ahead. Yes. Uh, so imagine, if you will, a science fiction universe, a science fiction fantasy universe, in which every sci-fi name is just two regular words smashed together and both still capitalized. Yeah. No, you're not just reading an L. Ron Hubbard novel. <laughs> I took my nutrition food and buried it in the dirt ground. And then I went back through the portal door and talked to the man animal. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is this is exactly like Scientology, but different for, for because it's clearly for born again Christians instead. But that's everything in the book is like the uh, you're on the planet Eden again. You are a light raider. Uh, The dice you roll are the star lot. And every one of these is two words smooshed together, still capitalized. Yeah. Now, Now, please, please do continue. uh, Even though it is called Eden again, 
Uh, the book wants to let you know that it, the name of the planet is actually Dastin, which, okay, it has three moons. That doesn't have anything to do with anything, but okay. Anyway, so uh, he sent the Elder Ones down, mm-hmm. which are essentially angels, and at some point one of them decided, I want to have all the praise that the creator has, and lo, he was struck down for it. And, and yeah. It, and the in the new player brief, he takes a great serpent, twists its body, I mean, and it's pretty good. It possesses it. Mm-hmm. And at that point, he's like, okay, I, I turned a great serpent into a dragon. I inhabit that dragon. Then I steal the eggs from this serpent's mate and put the souls of my chieftains into them. And then those are all my lieutenants. And they get born out of these eggs and are evil dragons as well. Yeah, and notably there are like nine kinds of dragon in this book, which when I was, before we started reading, I did a quick flip through to see what we had. And I saw the names of the different kinds of dragons and I was like, oh, neat, allegories for common sins of the youth of of today. Notably because one of the nine types of dragon is the fluorescent. Yes. So I was like, oh, cool. Is there any evils of the television in here that we're going to learn about? No, fluorescence just a random word he thought of. No, the same thing. There is a rainbow dragon and it's not like, look out for them queers. Yeah. It's just a rainbow dragon. It's just rainbow, because that was one of the descriptions. Now, to be fair, none of those descriptions exist in the new player brief. Oh, fair. None of that is brought up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Uh, And then it has a whole thing about how these dragons ended up, like, basically enslaving and taking over the continent, and they were going to take over everything Mm -hmm. until uh, the Redeemer showed up Mm -hmm. and stopped their final push... And now they can't get to the last small little bastion of, I mean, not uh, basically Christianity in this book. And uh, yeah, there's like one little redeemed land where all the good people still live. And it's like basically just a city with it with a school in it. It's it's basically like like a little peninsula that's connected. So. Uh, the liberated land there it is uh, is separated by a big mountain range mm-hmm. for the land part and it's so cold that dragons can't go over it mm-hmm. and if you're thinking well they could just go around it through the water there is a constant ridiculous storm that stops dragons yes and if you're thinking they could just tunnel through it and get in that way yes they, they can't tunnel they, they, they already did <laughs> they're the afraid ad- of dirt <laughs> uh so yeah then that's sort of the base idea that you get is that like the redeemer gave his life in this book not so much to like wipe away sins but to create a big old storm and make it so that the dragons were pushed out of lands yes okay great now you go into the other books and all of a sudden things start changing Sometimes a lot, sometimes a little. Yeah, because I didn't read that book first. I read the Adventure Master's Guide first, which is the, uh, I figured it was going to just be like the DMG and basically just be advice for how to run the game. But it turns out it has all the rules of the game in it as well. Uh, the rules of the game are reprinted in several of the books. Yeah. Uh, but the Adventure Master's Guide has the story being that the the dragons are aliens. Uh, yeah. That, and, and that also all of the... The monsters that they otherwise populated, the, that the dragons populated the world with in the, in the version of the story that John was telling. Yeah, in, in the new player brief, the creatures that you fight, because it's a fantasy game, so obviously there's trolls and orcs and goblins and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But in the new player brief, it's, oh, they used magic to, like, 
put mud and stones and rocks together and then just sort of animated them and sent them out. But don't worry, when you fight and kill them, it's not like you're killing a sentient being. This is just sort of animated rocks that the uh like the dragons have given false life to yes now if you want to uh to feel particularly bad about this game being like hey it's okay to kill orcs they're not alive note that in almost every example of how to use skills and so on it'll be things like the orc offers you five rubies in exchange for your silver uh, shield and so on so these things are intelligent enough to want to bargain to trade to talk with you there's whole adventures where they just are cheerful and friendly and communicate with you normally there's, there's an entire point of an adventure where a troll opens up his own like school mm-hmm. for learning how to do various business things yes so if you wanted to kill, say, for example, a hook-nosed monster opening a business school, <laughs> it's it's so cool. It's okay because that's not a people. Yeah, those aren't real people. So I mean, if it's already starting to seem a little iffy to you, it's a little iffy in general. Also, there's a different hook-nosed monster in the list of monsters that aren't people, and you can just kill called a Greedo. That's right, the Greedo who has the face of a man but a a beaked mouth and is hunched over and has claws and their entire society is based around business and money and there there are some good ones but there are some bad ones and the bad ones do business without any sort of good faith to them Whew. okay so anyway that, yeah the, that uh, horror show aside that in the old version of the story, as far as we can tell, there, this appears to be the 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 oldest version of the story. That they're they're just mud and sticks, guys. No, I think that's the you new version. Okay, well then, in the old original version of the story, the orcs and trolls and what have you that it's okay to kill are just aliens from other planets, but they're being sent to this planet uh, because they're. This is the planet dumping ground for your shittiest members of society. Yeah, so if you're if you're living on planet lots and lots of orcs, and you're like, man, some of these orcs are evil and stupid, we'll just dump them on it's okay for Christians to kill them planet. Yeah. Which, which I'm not sure how exactly. I mean, this, this is the start of the point where I go, man, I understand why you put out the new player brief as like a change to what the actual story is Mm -hmm. because it seems at least almost like a regular like let's turn christianity into a fantasy setting whereas this is not only bonkers for the idea that like yeah trolls are all aliens and they came to this planet they don't have spaceships but for some reason they were still banished here by their society because they were the bad ones but also because like the uh the great red dragon which is sort of the the satan of this and the big bad mm-hmm. was banished to this planet by the creator which means it's his fault that all of this is here like <laughs> god in this story was just like yeah fuck this planet i'm just going to put all my bad crap here you can deal with it <laughs> well i mean ultimately that means he's made it the job of these light raider people to clean up the trash like but he could have been like oh what's this an uninhabited planet all right great you idiot you're down there there's no one to corrupt here fuck off i mean yeah the, the, the fact that there are still liberated and, bo- uh, I'm sorry, twice born living on this planet, which are people who are like, you know, twice born because they're born again Christians. Do you get it? Do, do you? Do you get the, the metaphor? It's interesting because this is like pr- 
proposing a Christianity structure. And, and again, this is saying that this is the same galaxy that our Earth is in. It's just a different variation on the way that God interacts with each individual planet happening someplace else very far away. I mean, I wouldn't say that because there's no there indication are, that Earth exists. Well, there here. are multiple references to how, because in the old books, there's all these references to a guy called the Overlord of Many Names. Which you'd think that'd just be God, but it's not. It's Jesus. Yes. It's specifically Jesus. And they go out of their way to say that on other worlds, this man is known as Jesus Christ the Redeemer, or Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Ah. Which means that, yes, Nazareth exists in this galaxy. And, and <laughs> the therefore, planet Nazareth. Therefore, <laughs> it might be the planet Nazareth. You got a point there. But it does mean that this, this world that you're playing the game in is... Uh, it, it, it exists at the same t- place or time as, as Which Earth. is even worse, because yeah. at that point you're like, oh, you know how like Jesus came down to Earth and went, hey, everyone, I'm super peaceful. My entire message is about peace and loving everyone else and mm-hmm. really just trying to make sure that everyone is good. Mm-hmm. Oh, but uh, I, I went down to this planet. I don't know what was going on. There was a dragon or whatever. Anyway, I blew them up in a giant dirt storm that pushed them across mountains and then created an everlasting storm. Eh, you know, different strokes for different folks. Anyway, bye. Anyway, on this planet, you, my good Christian soldiers, need to get really good at battle axes. You need to be more literal Christian soldiers, so, uh... (laughs) Get real good at battle axes, because you need to go out into the wilderness and kill the worst aliens from other civilizations. And I don't know why or how they keep dumping them here. I don't know how it is that, like, goblin planet even knows that eden again exists <laughs> let alone why they're dumping them here but eh. <laughs> so uh so but yeah also that i just i can't i i'm gonna harp on this forever but it also means that the other aliens are better people because they're like well we don't want to kill these bad members of our society we just don't want them corrupting us and so they send them away but the reaction from the good Christian soldiers in this setting is, oh, well, let's just murder them all. They're not people, though, so it's okay it's to It's okay to murder them. them. Now, here's a fun There's thing. There's a point for the orcs and goblins where it says specifically the creator wants you to kill them. Mm-hmm. That you don't have to feel bad if you do. Now, how do we know that you don't have to feel bad if you do? Because there's a whole class of people that you're not supposed to kill but that aren't good Christians yet. Yeah, because the, they're humans. These they are just the, aren't Christians. Yes, exactly. These are the dragon slaves. Uh, the dragon slaves are no longer called that in the new book, presumably in an attempt to get away from you know the term slaves. Yeah, now they're just the Aladoth, the dragon-oppressed people. Mm-hmm. These are the people who were born or grew up on, in dragon lands, or lands that the dragons control. They are the... Uh, the potentially they are the righteous unbaptized or the unconverted, but mostly they're like sin examples for you to kind of make fun of and then redeem by selling them a Bible verse. I mean, basically it's, oh, this is society and we live in a society bottom text mm-hmm. is all of the dragon lands is just like, okay, well, we call them dragon slaves, but not all of them are slaves. Literally, mostly they're just slaves to sin. Yes. Uh, because you have things where it's like, oh, there's an, it's just feudal. There's an aristocracy. Some people are merchants. Some people yeah. are just dirt farmers. There's a caste system and everything. They're called dragon slaves, but that's because they're slaves to the will of the dragons. Uh, they or, haven't heard the good word yet. Exactly. So those people, because they are technically potentially redeemable, you're not supposed to indiscriminately murder. Uh, yeah, there's actual, like, 
penalties to your stats and stuff if you do. Yeah, and there's even this is one of my favorite things in the game, and it's probably too early to talk about it. But there, eh. but one of the one of the word runes, which again, you know, we talked about how the the naming convention of the book works. One of the word runes that you can say that's basically a spell is you get in less trouble for killing non Christians today. Yeah, if you do this spell, then it's you're real sorry about killing that dude. Uh, can I have less troubles? <laughs> so. I mean, I, I'm I'm trying to figure out what the real world analog for that is. Where you're like, like, well, I, I, I mean, I murdered this Jewish guy, but I'm sorry. I mean, I assume it's just, oh Lord, we went to war, and though it is your will, I'm sorry I killed a human. I guess must be. Uh, okay, so why don't we get into how you play in this world? Because the further, the longer we talk about the theological implications of God, of- I would never stop. And, and, and also, it just it logarithmically increases the number of angry emails we're going to get. <laughs> so, uh, and I'm already due a few. So, the the rules of this game are very biblical. Uh, the the stats, your your basic, uh, they're called uh, abilities, and your basic set of abilities are the the seven virtues plus two. I mean, you get. I'll just name them off. You have love, joy. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Yeah. Uh, now, two of the yeah. So it's the seven virtues plus what? Patience and self-control. I think. I have no idea. Because um, as much as I have memorized the seven deadly sins, no one gives a shit about the seven righteous virtues. Well, it's much much like with the seven deadly sins. It feels a lot like there's a lot of bleed over between the seven virtues. Like, I'm having a hard time determining the difference between, like, gentleness and certain aspects of goodness. Well, like, kindness and gentleness. Honestly, the whole thing could just be like, what is this? Uh, goodness, faithfulness, and maybe love? Like, yeah. that's about all you need, but we need different things. Like, peace doesn't feel like it's going to be all that different from gentleness in the long term. I guess you you could have a low peace score and a high gentleness score and be like, well, I go to war a lot, but I just sort of push people to uh, onto soft pillows. <laughs> oh, you. <laughs> so, you get those. Each one of those, you're just going to roll a D10 once to determine your starting stat value in it. Uh, I'm sorry, it's not a D10. It's the star lot. Yes, indeed. And in, in one of this game's kind of interesting ideas, the dice are personified in the game world. Uh, the overlord of many names did cause it to rain down good gems onto the world. Yeah, are- there's. it's basically like solidified good god beams. Yes, which if you find them in... They're, they're good things to collect, and they're called star lots, but outside the game, they're just D10s. And they tell you that you can tell they're star lots, because again, they're translucent. If you hold them up to the light, you can see a star in them. Ah, yes. This is true of every translucent D10, but don't worry about that detail. If an enemy of the Overlord of Many Names touches a star lot, it corrupts, loses two of its facets, becomes opaque, and becomes a shadow stone. Now, this is actually smart game design, because it means that, although the game itself it falls apart in mechanics... From a uh, a outward observer perspective, it looks like players roll d10s, monsters roll d8s, and that gives a small advantage to players early on. And it, that's a good feels mechanic. Yeah, no, it's it's also one of those things where thematically you're like, oh, this is supposed to be for Christians, saying that like the power of Christ is greater than those that would oppose you, even though. There are scary monsters all around. You still have an advantage over them. Mm-hmm. Like, both thematically and in game terms, I was like, oh, that's 
that's a really good decision to do. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it, it's it's clever, and it it does a good job of hooking players early, especially because, I mean, let's be very honest, it feels like this game is aimed at people who are like 12 to 14. Yeah. So it's a good way to hook kids early, which is what this game is for. I mean, yeah. Uh, okay, so those nine stats, which range from 1 to 10, are joined by two other stats that you're going to roll a d10 for, uh, which are strength and agility. Because uh, it's a role-playing game, and you can't have one without strength and agility. Now, keep in mind that strength and agility in this game do very weird things. It does almost nothing, actually. Well, here's the problem. Every stat this game becomes a number between 1 and 10, and every uh, ability in this game is an average of three or more of those stats. Sometimes blocks of... Sometimes it'll be like... this. Oh, is it'll be like divide by 8, because you've got like... Uh, this stat and three of these and two of those. Yeah, it's like three times your joy plus your peace plus your love plus your goodness divided by seven is, you know, the, your stat for being nice to animals or whatever. So strength and agility are just numbers that show up in some of those calculations as well. Uh, they are also useful for when you need to overpower enemies that you do not wish to kill. Yeah, I mean, it's basically just combat because therefore some of the weapon skills mm -hmm. use them but, but and not the way you it. think that's the problem like i was saying they're very weird strength shows up in the calculations every weapon in this game has its own calculation of what stats you roll for it uh and it is very weird it'll be things like oh you need a lot of peace in order to use a a, a quarter staff you can't use uh war hammers without hatred of evil but you can use every other weapon without hatred of evil just fine strength is battle axes crossbows and longbows and that's it. Yeah, just the ranged weapons and battle axe. Now, there's two-handed sword and polearm in this game, so you'd think to yourself, well, strength should factor into those calculations if it's in battle axe. No, we need more room for joy. Goodness, no. What would make you think that strength would be useful for wielding a big old mace or something? It's so weird. So anyway, now you've rolled 11 d10s, and at this point, it's time to start going through your eight character abilities that every character has. Yeah. Every character gets 11, but eight are mandatory, and then three of them you pick from a list of various optional things that you could have. That is correct. The eight that you automatically get, I'm sure John has a character sheet open and yep. will be able to tell you off the top of his head. So everybody has stats of courage, endurance, hope, knowledge, and at this point you might be thinking, oh, this is just the same shit as the, the character's strengths. Pretty just much. abstract nonsense that you've got points in. Mm -hmm. And then it gets into <laughs> to full RPG with listening, quiet movement, vision, and then wisdom. Now, John, can you just, just give me the example of how to generate one, if you have it in front of you, how do you generate, just for example, hope? Okay. So, if you're like, okay, I gotta get hope. I need uh, to get Whew. Three times my joy, plus my peace, plus my patience, plus my faithfulness, divide that by six, that gives me my hope score. Now, when you're doing this and you look at all of these calculations, to start with, you're like, man, this is real weird and I'm going to have a lot of weird nonsense in there. You aren't because it's the average of so much stuff and you're rolling a D10 for everything Basically, you should have a five for every ability you have. Yeah. With you, some weird outliers going to, like, 
three or seven. Here's the problem with rolling 11 D10 and then using those those 11 discrete values to form a bunch of averages. They're all going to average out to five and a half. Yeah. And it's very boring to do this 11 times and then make 11 abilities out of those 11 die rolls, each of which is an average of between three and seven of the original 11 things you rolled. You're going to get a bunch of fives. Yep. Ugh. But, now, and, and indeed you do. Yeah. Now the... Uh, the stuff that you don't take, because you get three out of a choice of things like, say, hatred of evil or persuade foe or talk to animals. Mm -hmm. Righteously mingle with evil. Uh, notably, as you go further and further down these two lists, the first, the first list of eight that's mandatory and then these optional ones, you'll start seeing uh, acronyms in, in the calculation that are references to other ones of these. So, for example, move silently, probably, I think, involves your hope score, and then hope is also an average of those 11 scores in the first place, which means that these are getting even more diluted into averages that are going to all end up being fives. Yes, because, I mean, especially when you get to something that uses an optional thing as one of the things that you need, where righteously mingling with evil requires hatred of evil in it as one of the numbers... And at that point, you're like, I've got so many averages in here. Jesus, what is what is even happening? <laughs> uh, then each of the weapons is calculated in the same way. And I'm just staying on, on that just to get through all the things that are like the same calculation. Oh, yeah. So you get everyone has a solo battle as well as all of their weapons. Yeah. Now, solo battle is what you use if none of the other light raiders are around to help you. Yes. Because no matter what weapon you're using, you're the exact same proficient in everything if you're by yourself. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so you get your solo battle, and then you also have the other, I think it's like nine or so weapon proficiencies. Uh, you, you just have them all. You might as well just use the ones you're best at, because again, they're just take an average of six to seven of your other stats, uh, and then that's how good you are with this weapon. Yeah, now... Some of them deal uh, D5 damage, some deal a D10. If they deal a D5, it's because they can be used as a ranged weapon as well. I mean, honestly, there are some that just do a D5 and there's no reason to ever oh, use them. Oh, there's some that just suck? I thought, that, like, is a quarterstaff a D5? That might be the... Yeah, there's there yeah. are several things in here where you're like, but why would I use that? That's just bad? Maybe your score and it's real good. I'm just kidding. Your score is going to be a 5 it's or a, a six. 5. It doesn't matter. <laughs> There are so many stats to calculate, and they could have just made them all fives. Now, you may be wondering what you're going to do with all these fives once you're done generating them. Mm -hmm. uh, this game's mechanic resolution system is actually a percentile chart. Uh, you you calculate the difficulty of the task you're attempting to accomplish. Sometimes that's a floating difficulty based on like the value of defense that an enemy is putting forward. Sometimes it's just an arbitrary, this appears to be about a six difficult, as put forward by the Adventure Master. Yeah. You you look at a grid, you compare your bonus, your stat in the, in the thing they're telling you, and the difficulty, find the matching point, and then roll under that on percentiles of star lots. Over that, but yes. Over that, excuse me. So, yeah. And it's not a chart that you can just sort of memorize, because if I've got ability rating one, and it's a difficulty one, that's a 45 and above mm -hmm. to succeed. Okay, but if I have a 2 and it's difficulty 2, now it's a 50. So it's not like you can just go, oh, if I'm, like, the same, then it's 45, and then, like, a 5-point difference for every level it goes off. Yeah, no, it's it's not a chart that lends itself to easy memorization. Luckily, it's printed on the character sheets, 
but it is kind it's of definitely an obtuse, one that you always have to look at. Yeah, it's an obtuse sort of thing. Now you only use that for skill checks because battle works. Where, I mean, another decently smart thing was all enemies in this only have one stat. Yeah, they and have their physical vitality. It's they the, have their battle stat. Yeah, and, uh, it, and battle is just what they roll. There's what they add to a roll for both offense and defense. Mm-hmm. If you want to attack them, they roll a D8 plus their battle, and that's what you have to beat on your roll of a D10 plus, the depending on what you're skill. doing, weapon yeah. skill. Or, uh, or if you're defending, then it's your shield of faith, I think? Because we didn't go into the was, armor of Yeah, I was going to get to it, because it's not enough to have the seven virtues. You also have to have the armor of the spirit, which is an invisible suit of magic armor that every light raider character has in this world. Now, if anyone has... Either watched Bible Man, or, if you were an, a Christian kid growing up with Bible Man. Or the finale of season two of Venture Brothers. Then you know about the Belt of Truth, the Breastplate of Righteousness, the Shield of Faith, the Helmet of Salvation, the Sword of the Spirit, and the Boots of the Gospel of Peace. Mm-hmm. Now, all of those get a rating, and instead of being all of them just sort of a weird average, some of them are just straight up the same number you have in something else. So, like, Belt of Truth is just your knowledge. Mm-hmm. So if you had a six in knowledge, you have a six in Belt of Truth. Great. Yeah. Uh, one of them is an average of the first five of your nine uh, virtue statistics. One of them is always a one. That's the Sword a- of the Spirit starts at a one forever. That's the last one I want to talk about because it's a good jumping point to getting into how word runes work. Sure. Uh, but there's the other two are like... The, the, the thing is... A, they didn't need five types of armor in this very simple game, so a lot of them do something exceedingly simple, and it doesn't seem like it'll ever come up. Yeah, so, there's there's very niche points where, like, oh, a specific monster will sometimes give a damn about your boots of the gospel of peace. Yeah. But until that point, it doesn't matter what that number is. And, and the other one's, like, I think the helmet, for example, is, like, it's a bonus to resist the temptation to impure acts. Yeah, there's there's one that is, oh, what is this? It helps you resist temptation. What's this one? It resists the urge for impure acts. I'm like, isn't that just temptation? What are you, How are we doubling up already? I think if you spend most of your life in religious avoidance of sin like this, that you eventually start to really divide up the sins. Well, you especially an- like, we got to divide up sex from what everything else is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure, there's the temptation to overeat, but that's nothing like the temptation to get your dick wet. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, uh, one of them, I forget which one it is, John has it in front of him, so you might be able to tell me, but one of them literally doesn't do anything but remind you that you're born again. That is, the Helmet of Salvation is just there to be like, hey, this makes it so that the Light Raider knows that when they die, they're going to go to the spirit in the sky. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to go to a place that's the best. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) like, that's it. I'm sure that some monster in the... uh, like bestiary that they've got in here probably has a sin enchantment that cares about your helmet of salvation score oh yeah but god knows i don't remember it yeah yeah uh this game does have a lot of one-to-one issues which is to say that they create problems with the monsters that they, they get then go in and create brand new stats just to deal with so that there's there's a ton of stats that just do one thing. Well, since we were going to jump into the whole word rune thing. Let's do it. The last one was that the Sword of the Spirit? Yeah. So that is uh, the level of word rune that you can use. Mm-hmm. And word runes have a difficulty rating. 
And the difficulty is based on how many words it is, because all word runes are just Bible passages. Actual Bible passages. And, and ultimately, that's going to be the core meat, the point of this game, so to speak, is to get kids to memorize Bible verses. Now, uh, most of the spells you can do are fairly simple as far as like, oh, this is a word rune that when I use it, it gives me a bonus to one of my abilities or one of my strengths or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it'll just be a Bible verse like, uh, if the Lord is with me, who can stand against me? That gives me a plus three to my endurance. Great. Yeah. Okay. But it goes up in difficulty depending on how many words are in there. Yeah. Now, it has a rating up to 10. Yeah. And 10 is... The difficulty is 200 or more words in a single Bible verse. Which, wowzers. But... I think that's like if you could just do the Song of Solomon by memory or something. You're just like, yo, check this out. (laughs) Oh, that would be amazing to show up at this game in a session and be like, yeah, here's this. I memorized the entire book of Maccabees. Let me say it. Well, I just want to do the Song of Solomon and be like, what does that spell do? (laughs) What's up? Hey. How you doing? (laughs) Uh... Yeah, so the ones that come in the Light Raider handbook are only rated one through three, which is good because the Sword of the Spirit isn't just a limiter as far as, oh, you can only know up to your Sword of the Spirit rating. Mm -hmm. It is also, you can only know within, like, down three from whatever your highest rating is. Yeah, so if you get your Sword of the Spirit rating to four, you can no longer cast difficulty level one word runes because you have advanced significantly as a Sunday school student, I assume, and therefore you you are, would be wasting everyone's time if you're sitting there just reciting the easy fucking psalms. They're get like, your shit together, Brent. Yeah, they're like, look, you at this point, you've gotten so high in Sword of the Spirit that just reciting the Bible verses that you have been reciting for the past year and a half mm-hmm. doesn't impress God anymore, God and it doesn't do anything. God doesn't give a shit about your psalms, Henry. Go learn a hard one. <laughs> uh, quit giving me those proverbs that is just five words. Get out there and try a little. Listen here, Tyler. No one cares who begat who. Go learn a big one. <laughs> you you get me something from Philippians, or you get the fuck out. <laughs> so, yes. But that means, since it's rated... 1 to 10, there is a point where if you have a rating of, let's say, 6 in the Sword of the Spirit, none of the things in the book work anymore. And here's a fun detail that that might as well be a rider tacked onto that. The point of this game, according to this game, is that the player should be striving at all times to get every single one of their ratings to a 10. Yes, because... That's the idea. At that point, you essentially reach Nirvana and either become... A ultra prophet, like you basically become like one of the apostles and you wander the earth teaching people, or you are Elijah and you ascend into heaven. <laughs> I'm still kind of trying to put get my head wrapped around this this uh this part of the book where the the goal is to get as godly as possible 
I, I mean, I understand that 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 acting in all ways like God is like the point of of actual Christianity, but I never felt like God would give all that much of a shit about my skill in slings. <laughs> well, that doesn't matter. It's just your character strengths, uh, really. Yeah. Well, the thing is, if you get your character strengths to all the ten, then the weapon skills, which are all averages, will also automatically be ten. Well, not necessarily. That's true because if you if there's an optional skill that you don't know, its rating is one for the purposes of calculation. Because also strength and agility don't count for your ascension so if you rolled like garbage for that then if you're using it yeah you're like oh my i rolled a one for agility so although i'm super cool at everything i can't use a crossbow oops whatever that just makes you like a methuselah or an enoch uh okay so uh (laughs) enoch 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 yes uh okay so where was i uh we were talking about word runes word runes so so word runes and this is an interesting point that we can just connect to the next part of the book each word rune has a uh, attribute rating, which is to say it's connected to one of the base nine statistics in the game. Yeah, so uh, in addition to it saying, like, difficulty level one or two or whatever, it will also then have, on the other side of the rating, it'll say, like, piece four. Yeah, it'll say, like, DL2, piece four. That means it's got more than 20 words, but less than 30. Uh, and also that you need to have a piece score of at least four in order for this this rune to work for you. Yes. Uh this is amusing in the sample adventure where they provide you with two different word runes that the player will need to be able to cast, both of which have a requirement of six uh, in a stat, which it's just a D10 roll. Yeah, you got a 50-50 shot of getting that. <laughs> there's there's a decent chance that you just wouldn't be able to use them. Yeah. Every time you cast a word rune successfully, and to cast a word rune, you need to recite the Bible verse from memory with one exception uh the exception is pretty simple Uh, three times a day any light raider is allowed to go consult a source of bible verses whether it's these word rune pages or the bible itself and and speak the words and in that case the spell effect just takes place yeah now that's usually going to be for the stuff that you wouldn't memorize because a lot of the time if you're like oh i'm a i'm a guy who's super into using let's just say bows Mm mm-hmm and that really relies on one specific stat. I'm going to for sure memorize the word rune that gives me a plus three to that stat. Yeah. However, there are plenty of word runes. It's like, what does this do? Oh, it does a D10 damage to fluorescent dragons. Yeah. Uh, That will very rarely ever come up. I don't care. If it does come up, I'll just look it up in the book. If a water troll ca- or challenges your masculinity, this word rune will cause him to doubt himself. <laughs> Great. Uh, Good job. Okay. This low lowers a sin enchantment from the smog of a purple dragon by two. Okay, well, I don't give a shit. Whatever. Yeah, that's when you go get the book. Now, the reason you don't want to always be going and getting the book is because getting the book and reading it fr- from the book grants you no maturity units. Now, this game does not use XP. It uses maturity units. Uh, each stat goes up every time you earn 20 maturity units in that stat. So every one of the base abilities, nine of them, have their own maturity rating that you're also tracking all the time. If you cast a Joy 2 uh, word rune, you gain the value it says, which is usually your current Joy score plus one uh, maturity units, and then you have to mark that down. If you get above 20 in maturity units, you roll over, and now you have, instead of a two in your Joy, you have a three. Yay. Um. So like we were saying, the basic goal of the game is to get all of your stats to 10. Keep in mind that all of these like word runes are like, oh, increase your your uh, your gentleness by three. All that does is mean that you have to go through your character sheet, find every single one of the dozens of ratings you have that take that use one seventh of the uh, of uh, their 
calculation is gentleness. Increase that by three, and then see if it increases the the rating of the ability we're going to roll by one. Yeah. It will not, usually. <laughs> now, it's also of note that the only word runes that are a one in a stat that you can use are the ones that add plus two to that stat. Mm-hmm. So the only thing you can cast if you rolled like garbage for a stat is to make that stat less garbage and that's it. And it won't matter because if you're like, oh, my joy is a two. So all my ratings that I take with things that join that are dropped from fives to fours, I'll raise my joy by two to a four. Does it affect the average? No. no. The average is too many other numbers. It's, uh... They did not... It feels very much like they didn't test it. Now, there are suggestions throughout the course of the books that would indicate that this game's been tested heavily. Uh, most notably, the the giant story that I know John is dying to tell. God, I love that. Uh, so, in fact, the only other things we really need to talk about when it comes to character de- design is just, like, what your hit points are. And then also briefly mention the combat system rules. Um, so well, I mean, I did mention them. The advanced combat system oh, rules, John. Oh, the advanced combat, Mark. Uh, also, the, <laughs> also the overpower rule, which is how you stop yourself from accidentally killing dragon slaves. You just tie them up. Yeah. You just, you, there's a rule for just tying people up. Uh, but let's leave that and talk about advanced combat real quick. There are two functions to advanced combat. You can turn it on or off if you would like. That's, that's all there is to how it, how it exists. Uh, ha- half damage. You could declare you're swinging for half damage. This way you can beat down dragon slaves without killing them so that you can pump the good word into them. Yeah, because in order to tie someone up, you're rolling against you're not rolling their health anything. points. They're rolling against your strength agility. Uh, they, they will roll their current combat value. No, it's their hit points. Oh, I'm sorry. They roll their, you, It's their current hit points. So you plus, have to beat them up stone. so you can actually tie them up. Yeah, so they roll their shadow stone, which is a D8, plus their current hit points, and they are comparing it against the total of your strength and agility, no dice. So if your strength and agility adds up to a 15 and they have seven hit points and they roll a four, they have 11, you tie them up. It takes three rounds, but you tie them up. Yeah. You can also work together on this. Everyone in the party can combine their strengths and agilities to tie someone up so that they have to... Yeah, so if you didn't want to punch someone in the face until you could get to the point where you could personally tie them up, you can get everyone together because most of the time, people's physical vitality rating is going to be above a 20 and you're probably... I mean, definitely you can't get above a 20 as your strength and agility. Yeah, but if, you, if you've got four players, then you'll probably have somewhere in the range of a, of a 40-ish... Uh, so that that's a hard number to beat. You could tie up lots of things that way. Great. Uh, anyway, the other half, besides the half damage so you don't inadvertently kill dragon slaves, is the critical hit chart. Uh, <laughs> there, and this is the weirdest thing. I mean, in terms of what this game is and the points of this game and how it plays, the fact that there is a, an extremely gory critical hit chart is the weirdest thing you've ever seen. Yeah. Now, the crit system in this is just... If you are playing with it, it gets turned on for everyone, and there is no reason if it is on to not do it, because all it is is... Other than not wanting to kill dragon slaves. May. Yeah. But you wouldn't be... You'd just be rolling for half damage, which you wouldn't try to crit on anyway. Right. But the crit source is, after you attack, you roll a d10. Did you roll a 10? You crit. Now you roll another d10 to see 
where you hit them, mm-hmm. and then depending on where you hit them, you either roll another d10 or percentile to, see to figure out what you did to them. Now, this is a game where you play as Christians whose job it is to go out into the world. I'm sorry, not Christians, twice-born light raiders, whose job it is to go out into the dragon lands and wrangle dragon slaves and, and give them the good word. Yeah, uh, you want to rescue people and, you know... Get them to come back with you to the liberated lands, and probably. There's, there's a whole bunch of like sins going back and forth about uh, in, in rescuing from sins and all these things. But also, it's a game where you can get stabbed in the dick so hard that you die. That's right. <laughs> if you get stabbed in the dick real hard, there's a good 5% chance you just die. <laughs> and here's the problem. If you, you can behead a motherfucker in this game. Oh, yeah, for sure. You can take someone's arm off and watch them as they bleed to death in front of you. I <sighs> Here's... This is what's weird. About, okay, well, first of all, we got to talk about how this is not a well-thought-out crit system, because like a lot of crit systems, once you turn it on, you deal with the fact that players will roll a few uh, attack rolls against any one individual monster, where players will be the brunt over the course of their career of thousands of attack rolls from tons and tons of monsters, and eventually one will crit. The, the crits are on the monster side. Yeah, because... Even if you roll dice in any given battle more often than a monster, if it's like four of you versus, say, one giant, Mm -hmm. okay, great, you're rolling dice more often, you'll get more crits than that giant will, Yeah, but But over the course of your game, you will fight so many things that eventually some goblin's going to be like, whoopsie doops, I stabbed you in the dick! (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I'm not even a people! Oops! There goes your penis. Now you're dead. Whoopsie doops. Bye. I'm a goblin. Yeah, that's that's what you would. And, and then it's like, hey, should you use the advanced combat rules or not? Well, first of all, the two advanced combat rules should not be tied together because the half damage one is completely essential in a game where apparently you need to nearly murder people before you can make them Christians. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it should just be one of the rules that's always in the game. The crit the crit rules, it's like, should you put these in the game? Well, they're kind of gory, so check to see if your players are all right with blood and guts. And if they can't come to a decision either, consider Romans, like the book Romans. Yeah, and go pr- ask a Roman. And, and pray and pray on it. Don't ask someone from Rome. That's crazy. Pray about it, and, and, and then we'll, you'll figure it Go out to from the there. Lord with your question. <laughs> I mean, he's not going to answer, but just pray and then come back and tell your group, Hey, uh, Lord said it's great if you get stabbed in the dick. Let's I mean, do it. Let, let's be clear. A lot of these books are basically just advice to pray about things. But that's the one time where it's like, should you use this rule or not? Ask God. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's the only time I saw anything quite I'm like gonna that. I'm going to go ahead and pass the buck on my bad game design and say, <laughs> mm, just ask the Lord about it. <laughs> so, the, I don't know. The critical hit system is the biggest disconnect from the purpose of this game. Well, yeah. Given that everything in this game from... The fact that you're trying to memorize Bible verses in order to get your spells done Mm -hmm. to the fact that all of your stats and everything are just based on like being godly and your whole mission in life is to go save people. Like when you first look at it, it seems like it's doing what it wants to do. Like, oh, what is this? It's a game where you go out and it's not about combat. It's about going to try and save these people that don't realize that they are slaves to sin. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay. I mean, I disagree with that from a theological standpoint of it's your job to go preach to people. Mm -hmm. But for the Christians that are like, yeah, we have to proselytize. It's part of our religion. I get it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the problem, they, they really didn't think it through with this whole, like, you have to overcome people by tying them up. And then, and only then can you start... Like, like yeah, because at that point, everything breaks down because you're like, oh, well, my whole job is to go try and 
bring this good word to people so they can know. Well, how do you do that? Well, they're not going to want to listen to you. So obviously you got to punch them in the face until they're weak enough. You can tie them up. And then when you tell them Ephesians 23, five, they're going to go, thank you. It's thank got, you so much. All of the examples have that chick tracky feel to them where it's like you use, you finally managed to subdue this lady and you tell her this one, ber- this one verse about fat people. And she goes, you know, I've harbored secret questions about not being a fat person. Could you help me be beautiful instead through Jesus? <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, the overlord of many names. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's got a very kind of chick track. Pro- but, he, but like we were, tr- the, the, the core point is you hit this wall where you're like, all right, the point of this game is basically Christian-y edutainment. It's godutainment. Yeah. Uh, it's the fantasy here isn't the fact that orcs and goblins exist the fantasy is that people are going to listen to you and give a shit about the bible when you tell them (laughs) uh especially if your source that they should believe you is just verses from the bible spoken directly at them uh before we close out i do we're we're you know rounding the horn uh, well past the halfway mark here i want to hear the giant story from john and then i want to tell the fat lady story oh god okay this book comes real hard Mm -hmm. now this book has uh spangles about three adventure books in it that uh let's just say they've got some ideas about what an adventure is oh goodness do they ever one of them is is straight up like dd it's it's just like hey uh, explore these hexes and each one of them will have a little adventure in it except most of them don't yeah it's like uh you went into hex 17 that is scrubland and dirt nothing happens please choose another direction to go (laughs) hell yeah brother that means i'm playing a shitty role-playing game in the 80s this is something that in 40 years i'm going to pretend i'm really excited about (laughs) now one of them is a quest where you are supposed to go save a light raider a fellow light raider Mm -hmm. uh has fallen and needs help and they're up on like the top of this mountain Mm mm-hmm there's a whole bunch of stuff that you do, but eventually, when you get to the mountain pass, you will find a giant. Okay, a giant. Now, in this game, giants are one of the races that are... Gi- either- giants are either weird mud golems or aliens. The worst alien. One of the, <laughs> choose one of those. Now, the reason that giants, I guess, got thrown out from their planet, if they're aliens, is they're too gregarious and drunk Mm -hmm. so when you come across them the giant takes up the entire path because he is a giant yes he is drinking from a gourd of what he calls friendship juice Mm, friendship juice now the giant sees you and is like hey you know it's so lonely up here on this pass i barely ever see anyone it's so great to meet some people hey did you hear that there was an entire community of dragon slaves over here, and they were super poor, and the dragons just gave them money. Isn't that great? And then, uh, hey, you want to like have a drink? Have a drink with me. Like I'm, I'm just up here drinking by myself, and that shit sucks. Please have a drink with me. Don't you want to be friends? Let's be friends. Right. So obviously, the point of this is that drinking with a giant is bad because drinking is bad because. Uh, I mean, I, I, mean, I, I assume, assume because drinking to excess is bad and underage drinking is bad. Yeah, my assumption is because this is supposed to be a game for, like, kids that are going through confirmation, probably. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, this is the... Confirmation? Oh, this is a Catholic game? No. No, the confirmation isn't just Catholicism. Oh, okay. Very, <laughs> as you were. 
so <laughs> it's supposed to be one of those like the old PSAs you'd get on Saturday morning cartoons where it's mm-hmm. like if someone offers you a drink that's just tell no them, good no way Jose <laughs> I'm not a loser like you better to be me than a boozer loser yeah and that's essentially what they're going for with this is mm-hmm. like oh you know don't drink even if someone is offering it to you as being like hey don't you want to be friends and cool you still shouldn't do it however the book goes oh when uh when your players meet this giant the most likely thing they will do is immediately attack and attempt to kill him and i'm like really (laughs) the good christian soldiers are going to meet someone on the side of the road who is being friendly and nice and their immediate reaction is well, I gotta put a sword in this motherfucker. This, this dude needs dying. And again, it's because the game is defined that these giants are not people, and therefore you do not have to pay attention to what they're saying, or listen to them, or show them any kind of respect or deference. You just murder them when you see them. Uh, now, you- there is no... Even though I said this was like those old PSAs where it's like, just tell them, no way, I'm, I stay in school and I'm cool. Yeah. That's not an option here. Yeah, if you tell you, the giant that you stuff. You have to go up the path. Yeah. And if you refuse to drink, he stands up and goes, either you drink or we fight. Uh-huh. Uh, and you cannot, the, the game's very binary in its presentation, so it's not like, hey, at this point, I guess you can walk down the mountain. Uh, so you either get in a fight with the, the giant or you drink with him. If you drink with him, you take a ton of sin enchantment damage and you will have a lot of stat penalties and your friends will need to surround you and tell you Christian things until you're better. Because we didn't even talk about sin enchantment earlier, no, but, but oh my God. The big thing with this is if one person drinks with him, then that person takes a whole bunch of penalties and the giant takes a whole bunch of penalties, and then he's worse when you fight him, so you basically have to sack one of your guys to make the giant beatable. Mm-hmm. If more than one person drinks with him, then the giant drinks so much that he passes out and you can go past him. So if you sacrifice more than one person in your party, then you don't have to fight him at all. Yeah. However, <laughs> the adventure also says if he just passes out and you go past him, he'll be awake when you come back down the mountain and you'll have to fight him, period. There's no drinking at this point. <laughs> and I was like, what the f- fuck adventure is this and what's the allegory what message are you teaching what would be the closest direct allegory to what this is if you're at a party and one of your friends comes up to you with a red solo cup and says hey man you want a beer shank him (laughs) just go to town on his nuts don't do it alone he might be able to fight you get three or four more guys you get a whole group of you friends and you go after this dude and you just pound him in the nuts just go to town on him or the four of you get together, draw straws over who has to get drunk tonight. <laughs> Two of you take the bullet, the silver <laughs> bullet, if you will, drink this guy under the table, and then the other two of you can, can go to whatever can you Can run need. off and, I don't know, tell your pastor what's happening? What, what, is, fuck what is, is this? The story, it's so mean. Ugh. Uh, okay, the story I'm telling, this is one about a monster, the John, the one that John just told. It's one about a monster where you're allowed to just kill them indiscriminately, and the game assumes, even though it gives the giant motives and things to say and a gregarious nature and so on it assumes the players are just going to be like oh it's murder o'clock yeah even before it gets to the point in the description where it says like oh if they just completely refuse then he'll say binary you have to drink or fight before that it actually says yeah your players will most likely draw their weapons and attack 
upon sight. Yeah, they'll be like, oh, a giant? We get our weapons out and kill it. Let's fuck that's, this guy up. The, the story I'm going to tell you is the one that's the first adventure that you're supposed to go, and you're supposed to do it alone. Uh, you are attending the College for Light Raiders in, in the nice land for born-again people. And upon graduation, you go outside and you take a sleep against a pear tree, at which point you have a dream. Keep in mind that dreams are exceedingly common in this in this collection of books. Almost every adventure starts with a dream so that they don't have to do any kind of adventure hooks or anything. Oh, no. There's no point where you're like, oh, you hear a rumor that mm-hmm. often whatever, because no one evil can get past the barrier yeah. into the liberated lands there's no way that there would ever be a rumor of something happening because no one would come through. So you have to get divine dreams in order to get missions. So every adventure starts with a divine dream. And in this case, you actually see everything you're going to do in your dream. You see a fat woman ordering or making demands of a, of a different woman for more cakes and pies. And even as she says these things, she is uh, sticking her fingers into pies and stuffing them into her mouth. Oh, how she is fat and demanding. She must be a high caste dragon slave to be so fat and demanding. Uh, the dream then gives you two word runes that you will need in order to do, into uh, order to solve this problem and a, a general idea of where the castle is. And then you wake up. You now know the two word runes you'll need to be able to stop this problem. Uh, you cannot cast them, probably. One of them requires Joy 6. The other one is DL2, which means you, no one can cast it yet. because no, you're sort of the character, rating is, you just can't. Yeah, your Sword of the Spirit rating is 1. You cannot cast that spell yet, that word rune. Uh, luckily, the game says that uh, difficulties and so on are waived for the purposes of this adventure so that you can cast these two word runes, uh, and if you... If you choose not to waive the difficulty, then the augury one, which is the second of the two word runes, the one that's just to tell the future, it just gives you the dream again anyway. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You're like, oh, I would like to augur the future. The future is you succeed telling this fat lady to quit being fat. So, yeah. You go wandering. You fight an orc. You go wandering through the forest. You actually have to do a a maze through the castle because the lights aren't on in the castle. How dark is it in there? It's literally one of those draw a map and just as the uh, player DM is like... Hey, there is an exit to the left and to the north and to the west. You feel your way across the wall. Yeah. You find a door and you're like, you are okay. in a dead end. Do you choose to backtrack? It's one of those. It's just a memorization mapping challenge. Well, yeah, because it's the 80s and obviously everyone is just nuts over your players making maps. Yeah. Yeah. So eventually you find your way to this lady. Now she tries to scream, but her mouth is so full of marshmallows that she can't. Uh, <laughs> oh, I've been there. And. and- <laughs> I have a marshmallow mouth, and I and I must scream. Uh, okay, so you find her, she tries to scream, and you go, whoa, hold on. You automatically start talking. You don't have a choice in terms of role-playing. You just say the thing. Uh, whoa, hold on. We are not here to defeat you. In fact, we have brought you a gift. <laughs> and I immediately go to Captain EO. It's like, a gift? You find me beautiful? <laughs> yes, Angelica Houston in weird makeup. I do. Some sort of hanging from the ceiling space spider. Everyone does. Uh, okay, so am I right? Is that what she was? Yeah. Uh, it's been she a while. She's just sort of a weird trash spider monster. And yeah. then Captain EO uh, pelvic thrusts rainbows and <laughs> creates a beautiful world. <laughs> Obviously. Duh. Well, in this case, you tell her uh, some basic Bible verse. That's It's, it's just... like, hey, food, if you eat it too much and drink too much you're a bitch yeah you'll, literally it doesn't it wouldn't apply to her because it's like hey don't eat a bunch of food and drink a bunch of wine because eventually you'll go broke and get fat and she's like well i'm already fat and i'll never go broke because i'm rich i'm a 
I'm high cast. I'm like a princess or something. So literally, this was my life plan. You cannot. I, I mean, I'm beautiful at any size, dickwad. Uh, <laughs> But instead, what happens is you tell her this basic Bible verse. It's like, hey, if you eat food, you'll get fat. And she goes, my gosh, do you do you mean? And then she goes, I have harbored secret thoughts of the of the overlord of many names. Perhaps you could give me more information in the form of a pamphlet or an upcoming meeting on a Saturday night. (laughs) Uh, And then you get a second vision where she is no longer fat. Instead, she is beautiful. That's right. No longer fat. Now beautiful. Mm hmm. Um. The the most interesting thing to me, besides all the obvious rampant sexism and kind of first day pr- uh, proselytization school where it's like anyone you talk to is going to be super nice to you, uh, is the fact that the word rune, the, uh, the word rune that's supposed to break people's addiction to overeating, uh, is an, a DL2 word rune that only exists in this book. It's not in the list of official word runes. Uh, it comes with a caveat uh, that you can use it once per day. Also... It can only be used in castles. <laughs> yeah, because for some reason they were like, oh, God, okay, this isn't one of the normal ones that we have, but we can't just let them walk around and go like, hey, hey, buddy, I see you're having a meal. Don't get fat. <laughs> well, that's the thing. <laughs> they have, there's this problem they've run into where uh, too much memorization and repetition is, is a bad thing. Where it, once a player learns a word rune, they're like, well, sweet, this one gives me six joy points every time I cast it, and I've got it down. I'm just going to go around the world and tell everyone that getting fat is bad, and I'll get my joy to ten in like a day. <laughs> so they had to they had to install locks on, on, the, uh, on the spells so that you can't use them over and over and over again and, you know, kind of cheap your way to joy ten. Yeah, everything is a once-per-day use, mm-hmm. and... Some of them have additional... Rest- in this case, I assume it's just so that you don't try to use your, your food-unbinding word rune before you get to the fat lady. You can't be like, what's up, orc who wants to fight? Hey, did you know that don't get fat? <laughs> I didn't! <laughs> I don't want to fight anymore! Well, too bad, because I want to kill you and God wants me to. <laughs> Literally, God doesn't see you. It doesn't matter whether or not I kill you. <laughs> yeah. His omnipotence Ugh. ends at orcs. It's... It's so fucked up, though. God, because the book is like, yeah, you could talk to any of the other monsters, but orcs and goblins, specifically God wants you to kill them, Mm -hmm. it says in the book. Having something in a book where it's like, God wants you to kill this thing feels so fucked up. It really does. The book has a lot of, I mean, I get what they were going for, like, D- kids aren't going to want to play D&D if they don't get to murder stuff. Like, that's that's yeah. half of why you play it. I mean, granted, as an adult who's played a lot of d and I'm, I'm now used to the reason that people actually want to play D&D is so they can describe how hot their character is uh, <laughs> and uh, and make a bunch of jokes they heard 20 years ago. Uh, yeah. That's that's pretty much the actual reasons to play D&D uh, is to do that or, or describe delicious food that you're going to make, that kind of thing, or collect every wolf. <laughs> Those are the real reasons to play d But in this, they were like, okay, kids love to murder orcs so we'll put in orc murder how do we how do we jibe that with murder is bad according to like the seven you know the ten commandments with like I you know like, the seven commandments like, like the first commandment is going to be a real problem for us okay well here's how we do it we simply define a whole class of sentient beings as not and then it's okay to kill them and it's like I wonder if anyone's ever tried that in a real-world analogy that would be a, or a real-world way that would be a bad thing for us to kind huh. of emulate has anyone ever said that a certain person is not godly and should be eradicated? That seems 
I don't know, bad somehow? Has that ever happened? I don't think anyone will ever read this book and draw that connection. <laughs> well, fuck you, buddy. You never thought about us. <laughs> so, so yeah, there's there's problems. Uh, I wanted to briefly, before we get into the best and worst, the last thing I wanted to talk about is sin enchantments. Yes. Uh, a lot of monsters attacked by sin enchantment, especially dragons who use mind speech. Uh, sin enchantments are basically the... Adventure Master, through the monsters, putting the ideas of various sins and doubts into the heads of your good Christian players. Yeah. Now, the sin enchantments can take many forms. Mm -hmm. So, like with the giant, the sin enchantment is actually the drink. Yeah. Uh, When you take a drink, it enchants you, and you, if you fail a test, then you all of a sudden now want to get drunk. Yeah, it's sloth plus gluttony equals this, whatever. But Um, there's, you know, other ones where it's like, oh, if you touch the money that like a greedo gives you it will enchant you with greed Mm -hmm. and so on yeah like i mean and dragons attack via mind speech it's the first action that they dragons have five modes of attack and they use all five of them every time they attack yeah mind speech is before you ever even meet them they psychically in your brain implant an idea that is sinful and they're very basic sinful ideas they're all things like you're walking along and you see a great dragon and in your head pops the idea that the bible can't be real it was merely written by men what divinity did those men have yeah and then as a player you use your you have a the first one of your armor things is your resistance against that particular type of attack uh but you you rebuff the attack by arguing with gospely speech yeah in your own head Basically, the the adventure master is going to turn to you and say, "Like, all right, uh, you're walking along, and in your in pops into your head mm-hmm. the idea that a zombie. <laughs> maybe you know it's not so bad that people are drinking. Like, it's just fun, and it's not like it causes any problems. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, you have to, in your own brain, present a logical argument." To beat the dragon speech that has been implanted in your brain. Yeah. So, like for example, the dragon may be may pop up in your brain and be like, uh, like, there's no proof that Jesus was truly divine. And then you have to respond with, ah, but did not Jesus never deny he is not divine during the trial part of Matthew or whatever? <laughs> yeah. So there's essentially a point where. You would normally roll against it, but if you can do a logical argument, you get a big bonus. Yeah, and in fact, there's even math stuff behind it, where if you have a high enough rating in that whatever armor piece that is, you can make two different arguments against them and double damage the dragon. Yeah, and sometimes you'll have a rating in whatever that's so high you aren't even affected by it. Yes. Now, sin enchantments, should you be infected with them, they force an RP restriction on your player. Uh, The player now must act as if they are driven by that particular type of sin. So, for example, if you get infected with greed, then you have to be walking around all the time. You gotta be like, guys, we we should get paid for what we're doing. You know, we put our lives on the line. We should get money for what we're doing. Dude, it is bullshit that my neighbor has so many fucking oxen. (laughs) You see my neighbor's wife? Amazing. I'm coveting her right now. I'm going to covet that wife. Oh, man, I'm coveting so hard. <laughs> you guys, I'm coveting real hard right now. <laughs> I'm coveting right now. <laughs> I need new pants. <laughs> but yeah. What so- up? Welcome to, the, welcome to the sex chat room. Who's coveting up in here? <laughs> so if you fail and you succumb to this You have to act like the thing. You, you act like that, but now it is up to your fellow Light Raiders to save you. Through what's called Dragon Rescue. 
Dragon Rescue is where all of your friends stand around you in a circle spouting Bible verses and logical arguments at you until you submit and just go, yeah, you're right. I was wrong. You know when you this happens. You get berated to the point where you no longer try and have an original thought. If only there was an interesting real-world analogy to sur- for uh, surrounding people with their peers and having their peers yell an idea at them until they submit it and accept it. <laughs> if only that was, I don't know, a concept that we had. Some sort of pressure from people in your social status. Some sort of, I, I don't know, I want to call it mind-cleaning. <laughs> <laughs> so yes. that's a thing that and that's not a thing that your player your characters are doing to your other characters that's a thing your players are doing to your other players when you're infected with the you have to be like yeah i covered oxen i'm a i'm a greedy dum-dum and, and then, then everyone's else. like get him and they circle around you like they're gonna start snapping their fingers and doing a rumble dance and be like did you know god said don't covet in fact and you've got I don't know, however long it takes until you make a roll that mm-hmm. you're like, oh, I feel better now, guys. I certainly don't covet anymore, and I will never tell you if I do. <laughs> <laughs> You've definitely taught me the value of silence. Thanks, everyone. Uh, <sighs> so anyway, that's I, I wish I hadn't ended on that, because that's like the most mean. That's the meanest we're going to be. Well, I want to say, as someone that grew up Christian, sure, my, my father is a pastor, mm-hmm. and... The experience of being a pastor's kid is, among other pastor's kids, very well known. But you're immediately known in the congregation. People know your parents, so they'll talk to you. Biblically, too. They expect you to know a lot of stuff about the Bible and Mm -hmm. verses and things. So you get just very inundated with the uh, culture. You have to go to all the events. You have to do all the stuff. There was a point around, let's say, 12, I think it was, where I had my first times of doubting this, where I was like, you know, maybe maybe not all of this is correct. And in my head was like, but maybe, maybe that's just Satan putting that thought in my head. Maybe I don't actually not believe this. I do, but it's evil if i don't wouldn't have been great for you if at that point 12 of your friends could have surrounded you and just yelled at you about it exactly and that's why this the mind speech thing is so insidious Mm -hmm. to me because it's just reinforcing the idea of if you at all deviate from what we consider to be the way you should be if you have a thought that is outside of the norm it's because you are tainted by evil. Mm-hmm. And it's just, ooh, nothing quite fucks me up like that. Because <laughs> that jet just hits me right in the personal experiences. I, I mean, I wish I could share them. I am, of course, the father of a grocery store manager. And sometimes I would think, is Trader Joe's actually good? <laughs> and having worked there, I can confirm that it was sometime in the 80s and it is no longer. <laughs> um, but, but no, uh... <laughs> My my parents raised me. I was Unitarian growing up, but eventually it was strongly recommended that I no longer attend our church in uh, (laughs) 
in in San Diego because I was just using it as a as a sleepaway camp makeout generator. Oh, so you were just a pervert? I mean, consensual <laughs> pervert. Yes. I mean, it was. I wasn't like I was going there and doing sneaky panty raids or whatever. I was just dating a Lothario. A Lothario. I was just dating girls in camps because it's two days, and what else is there to do to get tongue busy? Uh, <laughs> That's right. So so eventually he was like, this guy might not be a good fit. Maybe don't bring him along. I only managed to hang around for so long because I may have no good memory for actual serious shit, but when it comes to short-term memorization of just strings of words or phrases, I'm f- photographic on lock up here. So they'd be like, well, can you just tell us a thing you read in the Bible today? Like, yeah, I'll just read, just yeah, it here's, back. Here's the, the thing that I read. Now, if, if you'll excuse me, there's a bunch of like pastor's daughters I need to get at. <laughs> <laughs> I need to be a bunch of people's worst first experience. <laughs> Excuse me. I need to be a story that someone will tell. I'll be back. <laughs> so so I never, th- this, uh, ultimately, I'm looking at the whole thing from an outsider's pers- perspective where I'm like, you know, even if I find the basic concept of an indoctrination-driven role-playing game kind of abhorrent, I'm not that worried about this one because it's fucking terrible at it. And that's... It's going to cause more questions than it's going to solve. Yeah, that's the thing where I was looking at it and I go, I have two big problems with this. One, from the Christian point of view of, you're not doing this very well. Mm -hmm. Like, just from the thing you are trying to accomplish, you are failing to accomplish that. Yeah. But then, from another perspective of just, yeah, but if this did accomplish what you were trying to get at, it would be the real bad parts of Christianity. It would be the judgmental overly proselytizing you can just say american the american version of christianity <laughs> where it's just like i know best and because i know best i need to tell you what i know god wants you to give me a lot of money <laughs> uh it is it's real bad mm-hmm. it's real bad and it hits home in a bad way. <laughs> it's it's not great. And like I said, for me, from an outsider perspective, looking at this sort of Christian sort of proselytization Sunday school kids tool, I'm like, there's a bunch of shit in here that works at very strong cross purposes to the general idea of what that would be. Like I like I said, I went to church for a while. I went to Sunday school. I played Sunday school board games and so on. I, I know the basic mechanics that, that they use for this. I played Bible Outburst. I played Bibleopoly. <laughs> yeah, I was I played Bible versions of literally every normal game. <laughs> I played Bible Password. I played Bible Clue. <laughs> Bible code names. <laughs> Oh, yeah, hell yeah. Oh, that would be fucking hard as hell. I know, right? <laughs> Damn, I would love that shit. That would be hard mode. Anyway, continue. Okay, sorry about that. Actually, the only code names I've ever owned is the easiest code names, the sexy one. Yes. It's useless, because everything Penis, got- five, yeah. uh, this, 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 and this. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just not great. It's just a problem. So, anyway, uh, yeah, from an outsider perspective, this book works at cross-purposes to its obvious intent, and that, I feel like marks it as a failure in a variety of ways. Yep. So let's get down to the actual brass tack, shall we, John, before we get any more angry emails. Uh, why don't you tell me what your favorite thing about this game is? Uh, it's definitely the dice. I mean, like we said towards the beginning, the initial idea of my die roll is on average going to be better because I get to use a D10 and bad guys use a D8. From the get-go, that gives you... Just a little bit of something to start with, where just visceral, viscerally, from a like look and feel, you go, oh, I'm good. I'm better than the things I'm fighting. And mm-hmm. it makes you feel, even if you're fighting something that is definitely going to beat the shit out of you, 
at least you've got something to hang your hat on. Yeah, no, you're absolutely, you've got a, a strong point there. So strong, in fact, that it's actually what I'm going to agree with and say that the dice are the best part of this game. I feel like they were an inspired decision that is layered atop a whole pile of useless crap. Yeah. Um, the dice are, the note. I, I found the way that they are colorful, that they have a little star inside them when you hold them up to a light, where the dice exist as physical representations of things that are yeah, they're in the diegetic game. objects. Yeah, they're diegetic in, in the game experience. I thought that was very smart. Um, and, and I would say that, that that's something that I, I could see more, you know, games that aren't this one doing. Where the di- where, where well, Yeah, the- I mean, that's a the idea that, oh, there's different dice for different people. Like, in 1984, that is very forward-thinking, because yeah. the fact that you didn't just go, oh, everyone uses a D20 or whatever, yeah. because that's what this system is. Well, and the, I think the whole thing where it's diegetic is exceedingly interesting to me, because we get a constant, I get a little rush whenever we need, read a new game, and it uses, like, dominoes or matches or something but the the ones that we've read that have used dominoes have not used them in a way where it connects the dominoes to the game flow it's just here's it's just we decided to use a different thing yeah it's basically resource management where you've got a number of numbers between one and six and you put them down when they're relevant to you uh that it's i mean it's great for that but it doesn't really feel like the dominoes are justified part by the, the play world. experience part of the world and, and i want to see more games where that is the case and it's neat to see it here even if ultimately the world itself is gross yeah what would you say is your least favorite thing about this game there's a lot of stuff <laughs> to not like about this but i think for me it probably has to be the <laughs> i think i'm gonna go with the bestiary honestly at this point up oh, just because it's very obvious and it's got a jewish analog in it well and- it's it's a lot of things where, you know, you get a lot of uh, stuff nowadays about the whole, like, hate the sin, not the sinner. Mm-hmm. But this entire game is murder the sinner. <laughs> because Unless you're literally not allowed to by divine purpose, in which case, beat them up. Yeah. The fact that this game was like, here are creatures that you are supposed to kill. They represent sins. But instead of being like weird goofy versions of that where it's like oh yeah a greedo is just going to be running around going money 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 all i want is money <laughs> and then he attacks you for anything you have that's shiny instead he's like oh hi i'm a proper businessman if you would like to uh have passage of course that'll be a fee because you know i need to keep this place running and if you don't have the money i can give you a loan mm-hmm. and as soon as you humanize the monsters, but still expect your players to attack and murder them, that's when it becomes super problematic for me. <laughs> no Jedi tricks, only money. Who huh? <laughs> <laughs> use a chance cube to settle these? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say my least favorite thing in this game, and this is based on the fact, like we said, this is our second try recording this, so we did our our character creation. So having now done character creation, I'm going to say that. Almost all of character creation feels just like obligatory math problems. Like you're just doing, you're filling out a boring fourth grade worksheet and it is interminable. It results in a bunch of fives and threes and fours. It tells you nothing. It built, it, you do not build a character in this game. You just build a pile of, of fives. Well, the fact that especially your character strengths are randomly determined, it's not like you can start out and be like, oh, I've got an idea for a character. Oh, wait, I rolled a one in gentleness. Turns out the idea for a character I had not going to happen because my dude is not gentle. <laughs> hey, guys, I'm playing as ungentle Ben. Uh, it, it's just uh, it, it's just what happened. 
But no, I mean, the, I mean, it's not just that. You have no sense of character by the time you're done. You just have a random assortment of... I mean, you're looking at these nine virtues. You're like, well, I got a two in joy, and I have a seven in faithfulness, so I guess I'm sadly... I guess I'm hopelessly devoted to, to, <laughs> to, to God. I, but it doesn't... There's no point where your your assemblage of numbers and averages tips over and gives you an idea of what kind of character you're going to be playing. Well, especially because everything outside of the stuff that you just roll a d10 for like you say is going to be a, like fours and fives because mm-hmm. you're just going to go down and be like this plus this plus this plus this plus this plus this plus this divide by this oh what do you know another five okay i don't know why i keep doing the calculation and the reason is because occasionally it's a six or a four mm-hmm. so there's no feeling when you're done making your character like you have made an interesting person that you would be you would be excited to play. Now, sure, I'm guessing that's because most of the time when people ran this game in the 80s, it was like, Tyler, you're in the game. You're a little knight in this world, and you're going to go out and kill a goblin and rescue a fat lady, and uh, and not like you are playing as as you know the the the, the Fimbambulus, the wizard of knowing a lot of Bible verses. <laughs> so. That's to me. I would say the fact that the character creation is ultimately extremely disappointing is my least favorite thing about this game. Okay, there's so many other things, but we've been harping on on the it's true the theological misapplications and so on for so long that I thought just let's just talk about from a mechanical perspective the ways that this game d- definitely fails <laughs> as a game. Yeah, so that's why. Uh, so there you go. Would you play this? Uh, I would not. It's one of those games that I could definitely have seen someone trying to get me to play when I was a kid. Like, at some point in youth group, I could see maybe someone going like, Hey, I heard you like D&D. Try this. <laughs> Your cousin Marvin Barry. No, it's- hey, John, I heard you like D&D. Try this. It unzips. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the... <laughs> That's, it's, I hate it. I hate everything because it's definitely a thing where young me would have been like, yeah, sure, fuck it, let's do it. And it would have taken me much longer than now to read this and go, ooh, this is fucked up. Yeah. Uh, I, of course, would not play this game. And not only that, I'm not supposed to. There's a section in the Adventure Master's Guide about... <laughs> it says, this is about Jeff. Don't well, let him play your game. <laughs> <laughs> There's a section in the Adventure Master's Guide that's like, should non-Christians play this game? No, probably not. And if you are going to play with them, just play with one, because more than one will get together and start arguing with things. <laughs> They'll start presenting logical arguments against this? <laughs> and you can't have that at your table, so don't let non-Christians play this game for Christians. So uh, I'm not going to play it, because I'm going to respect the wishes of the game designer. There you go. You got it, Dick if there's, if there's one thing we're known for, it's respecting the desires of the game designer. <laughs> Hey, I'm really friendly to Chris Hawk about. He was cool. <laughs> uh, all right. There we're, you go. We're done. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening. Now, uh, we did, as Jeff mentioned, do some bonus content. We created characters. Oh, there's something joyous in my heart right now, knowing that I already did that part. And I don't that we have don't to- have to go do more right now, that it's already done. Yeah, that's... Oh, wow. That's, that's a... I've that's got... The peace that passes understanding down in my heart. I've got a joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Where? Uh, down in my heart. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're eventually going to ask me a part of this song where I, know, where I won't know the answer <laughs> because I did not pay attention to that part of Sunday school. Yeah, well, I've got love like a fountain. I've got 
I mean, peace like a river. I mean, me too, but that's just because it's been a few days. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. Patreon.com <laughs> slash System Mastery. We, we're going to be back in another couple weeks. More System Mastery. We're going to keep doing this show through quarantine because fuck it. Patreon.com slash System Mastery, where you can get the bonus content that we previously mentioned at the $1 level for this, for the System Mastery bonuses. There are more bonuses available at higher levels. Patreon has all the answers. Just find them there. I have talked long enough. That's right. We've talked too long. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you so much for all the angry emails, and you all have a wonderful and blessed week. (laughs) 